0: Good morning, everyone. Wednesday, April the 27th, another bit of a nasty night in the States overnight. Marcus, what's to blame? Uh,
1: Good morning, Benjamin. Henry back today from the Monday Monday Festival where he won the talent contest. There is a video going around. He won? How um, many people were in it? uh, There was, uh, I think, two. him and a Mad Max impersonator. No, that was him, actually. Anyway, uh, overnight, Wall Street had a big dive, down 809 on the Dow Jones, and the NASDAQ was the main problem, down 3.95%. For rather specific to the NASDAQ reasons, in other words, results, Alphabet was down 3% and down 6% after hours on results, UPS was down 3.6% on results, GE was down 10% on results, but the main one was Tesla, where the fears are after, if you haven't seen that Elon Musk TED Talk. You probably should watch it. And Tesla was down 12% on fears that Elon Musk might sell Tesla shares in order to finance his Twitter purchase. So the Nasdaq down. Our futures this morning were down 107, but our market at worst has been down 85, currently down 60. We did fall 155 yesterday, so we probably took a bit of pain on the nose. But a Nasdaq fall 3.9%. That's 22% off the top. It's down 14.7% in a month. That's a more than 3% fall and any old members, not old members, any members who have been around for a while will know the Collins class rule. If the market falls 3%, you're supposed to sell half. If it falls another 3%, you sell the other half. Anyway, maybe you should sell half. We'll come to that in a minute. I've put a lot of charts in the strategy piece today. It does look like January was the big top rather than just a top for the US markets in particular. That now does look like a big pivot point when the Fed started worrying about inflation and getting aggressive, but for our market, not so bad. We have been outperforming largely thanks to banks and resources, although resources have had two terrible days, sector down 5% yesterday. Kicking off the falls in the market overnight, probably the main issue was the Gazprom or Russian energy giant Gazprom telling Poland and Bulgaria that they're going to cut off their gas pipeline on Wednesday. Henry wrote a couple of weeks ago about the, the dangers of backing a bear into a corner and of All the issues, most of them are are not precipitous. They're run-of-the-mill interest rates, inflation, growth are the main issues. But Russia could blow up and people are running scared of The other thing, of course, is we've got an FOMC meeting on May the 4th. This is the crucial start of an aggressive period of interest rates going up. And most of the buyers in the market will have just backed out. So we've, we've got no natural buying support at the moment. So the negatives are being exaggerated. And that looks like what happened overnight. Other interesting things overnight is that bond yields actually fell or are falling. So it doesn't seem to be an inflation problem. It's morphing into a growth problem. There was Barclays downgrading their Chinese GDP numbers yesterday, well below consensus. Others will follow. They've apparently had, well, of course, they've had a terrible first quarter, but they're going to have a, a much worse second quarter thanks to COVID. The IMF downgraded global GDP numbers recently, and that seems to be the trend that we're going to see more strategists doing that. We've got the RBA on Tuesday one strategist has broken ranks and suggested that they will raise interest rates 15 basis points which will mean the RBA target cash rate goes from 0.1 to 0.25 percent on Tuesday if true but the main point is maybe the RBA are just going to damn the politics and raise rates when they want I don't think it's too market sensitive everyone knows rates going up it's just a question of when and whether the RBA is polite with the politics or just moves ahead despite them fomc next Wednesday
0: banks results next week. That's it from me. Okay, thank you, Marcus. Tom, how's that all flowing into our local market?
2: Well, we actually had a better start than expected. Spy Futures were pointing to a more than 100%, 100 point, not 100%, 100 (laughs) point fall at the open. We're down in the range of 50 points. Utilities and tech stocks, the worst performers. Energy, the only sector in positive territory with the oil price up more than 3%. On the corporate front, a lot of production numbers filtering in. You can see the announcements table for the reactions there. City Chic is up on some solid sales numbers. Sierra Resources also doing well on production numbers. Life360 and Firefinch both down on quarterly trading updates. Firefinch was that stock that short seller J Capital actually went long on. We do have inflation data out at 11.30. No big X dividends today. And the US has home sales data, retail and wholesale inventories and the goods of trade balance tonight. Thank you, Ben. Very good.
0: Thank
3: you, Tom. Layton, anything of note coming out of the brokers today? Thanks, Ben. I'll keep it nice and short. I've got United Malt Group. That's UMG. They got an upgrade at Credit Suisse. And they've lifted their target price there to 462 cents, which implies a 15.5% upside. And the average target price there is 18.7% above the current share price. South 32, that's S32. 32, reported better than expected production numbers. And Credit Suisse has a target price of $6 there, implying a 34.5% upside. UBS also with a target price of $6 and a buy recommendation. The average target price there is 37.3% above the current share price. And the last one, Woodside Petroleum. Their first quarter sales revenue missed forecasts, but UBS has retained its neutral recommendation. Lowered its target price slightly, but it still implies the 5.2% upside. And the average target price there is just about in line with the current share price. Thanks, Ben. Great stuff. Thank you,
0: Leighton. Interestingly, South32, they note know- reported better than expected production guidance but it still fell eight percent on the back of it so it shows that there's no hiding when the market turns against the materials chris is busy doing tv prep but he has a nice write-up on aristocrat leisure as his chart of the day today and he's about to be on Osby's the call in the midday session chatting on 10 stocks there henry welcome back what have you
4: got for us good morning thanks ben good to be back on deck i must admit I have brought back COVID with me, so I tested positive on Monday. So feeling a little bit under the weather, so I'll keep it brief this morning having been out in the uh, the wilds west of broken hill and not having any internet or phone connections the market certainly has been uh, pretty nasty while I've been away and it's interesting to come back and see the Aussie dollar at 7160 we're also seeing uh, the uh, the ASX 200 having fallen 2 or 300 points from when I went away not such good news I will be taking things cautiously I guess in this market not trying to time the bounce pretty happy to be relatively cashed up before I went away 40% cash and some B- BOZ, which has helped. And I must admit, when I turned on the computer this morning with uh, my COVID fog and I looked at the full cap portfolio, I expect far worse than it actually is. So uh, that's not too bad, only down 2 or 3%. So it could have been a lot worse considering the market reaction week or so in tech stocks and resource stocks. But certainly not a nice time at the moment, but it's now more a question of looking at how to deploy that cash at some stage and of course shaking off the COVID and getting back into the groove, which will take a few days. But apart from that, back over to you you
0: guys Thanks, Henry and Marcus. Back to you. What have you got for us in strategy? Well,
1: it's worth reading the strategy piece today. It is a comprehensive piece. I'm not going to run through everything, but I've got a look at the reasons why the market might be falling over, which I've covered a fair number of those this morning already. I've also got a host of charts, which again make the point that whilst our market has failed for the third time at 7,600, the last correction, which was at the beginning of this year when the Fed got aggressive interest rates was 11%. We were already down 5% in three or four days here. So I don't think we've got a precipitous moment here. Most of the issues are slow burn unless Russia blows up. But I think in the short term you have to recognize the trend is down so you don't buy into it. And the markets fall fast, rise slowly, so there's no rush to buy. If you are in doubt, which doubtless you are this morning, if you are in doubt, there is this rhyming cliche which is no more true just because it rhymes times if in doubt, get out. But if you are concerned about what to do, no one would blame you for cashing up a bit at the moment and in a falling market. Stocks to worry about, growth stocks, smaller stocks, high beta stocks, cyclical stocks, consumer stocks. Don't bother with buying defensive stocks. For individual investors, cash is king. If you're reading articles about buying defensive stocks, then those are for the fund managers who are concerned about relative performance. I've also put in a list of RSI sell signals this morning from our morning scan. Interesting ones in there BHP, NAB, Fortescue, Mineral Resources, the Commodities, CRB Commodities Index, ASX20, the ASX50 predictable stuff. Longer term, though, for investors, these are short term sentiment swings and they will reverse. Interest rates will peak. Inflation fears will fade. China will get over COVID. The Russian war will end. Just not today. So it's ugly today, but I don't think there's a reason for investors to fear a significantly precipitous moment. But having said that in the short term, there's still time for Australian active Australian investors to do some selling in the hope of getting them down, getting them back lower down resources in particular. Bank I think I'd probably leave alone anyone who's chasing income. The banks are pregnant with their dividends coming up in the next couple of weeks, so probably okay to hold on to them. They actually do reasonably well in the short term on a rising interest rate theme anyway. And just bear in mind, at some point, this inflation and interest rate peak will happen. Maybe after the FOMC meeting, people are so fearful of it that, in fact, it could end up being a moment of relief. But clearly, no one's prepared to believe that until after it's out of the way. So May the 4th, next week week is a fairly pivotal moment for the market sentiment could change on a number of issues there. So the summary is still time to sell to buy back for active investors, but not sure long term investors should really concern themselves too much. I hate saying that sounds like a motherhood financial planner broker comment that uh, their job is to keep you comfortable and keep you in the market. They didn't spend ages lunching you just so they, they could get you in to get you out on one bad day. But that is the sort of thing a broker financial planner would say. It's okay long term.
0: But I think it will be okay long term. And there you go. Very good. Thank you Marcus. We'll finish with our question of the day as always and it's simply are you seeing the impacts of inflation in your day to day life? Tom?
2: Yeah absolutely Ben. I recently did a road trip to South Australia and before that, the week before that, fuel price was $2.20 and I thought this is going to be a very expensive trip for me. Thankfully it dropped a little bit when we were on the road but yeah, obvious one is fuel price and inflation is there for me. When you're Paying $200 to
1: fill up a car, which my daughter does because she got her old Mazda 9. It's $200, to fill it up. And she's earning, what, 28 bucks an hour as a barmaid? You know, <laughs> inflation's having
3: an impact on
0: everyone. Yep, certainly is. Leighton?
3: Yes, my favourite little barn me restaurant. They've increased their prices, and even at the footy club, Thursday night dinners have gone up because of inflation. That hurts. It does hurt. <laughs> Henry? I think it's
4: interesting that uh, on my travels out west past Broken Hill into the wild blue yonder, we saw uh, petrol in Broken Hill actually cheaper and quite considerably cheaper than it was in Sydney. On our return, it was 187 in Sydney, and in uh, Broken Hill itself was 162. We filled up uh, with uh, that. There was the cheap stuff, of course. Diesel was a bit more expensive, but certainly uh, out back uh, there was uh, no evidence of price gouging, especially with 4,000 cars coming through Broken Hill on the way to the uh, the Monday Monday Music Festival. So uh, there wasn't any price gouging there but certainly in the price of uh, food and stuff like that uh, we are seeing that I think and pretty much evidence in our daily lives supermarket shopping etc seems to be more expensive asset prices are creeping higher Uh, cars boats those sorts of things and things that are in short supply in terms of the uh, supply chain and that increasing demand so there's there is some inflation certainly there at the moment and I think we're all seeing it it's just insidious and slowly creeping higher rather than the big price rises that we have seen in the past but certainly that petrol price coming off considerably is going to help the numbers and of course we do have the CPI data out today which was uh, somewhat above expectations so certainly inflation is around and about.
0: Thank you, Henry. Marcus? I think it
1: saved me money because car prices have got ridiculous because of these supply chain issues and not enough processors. And uh, I hear that Toyota dealers, because they are restricted on what price they can sell a Toyota Land Cruiser for, they're buying them off Toyota and then putting them on the market as secondhand cars, 20% more expensive. This is not a time to be buying a car. So I've lost interest in rotating my car as I might do. Mine's 11 years old now. Uh, uh, because the, this is just the
0: wrong time. So inflation saved me money because I'm not buying a car from can see that Toyota example being in financial textbooks in 10 years' time of strange arbitrage opportunities. The
1: other one I did love was
0: the Peter Lynch one, where if you make
1: he, he he went to the equivalent of Bunnings and pointed out that the washer, the tap washer for this particular tap, the washers there were none available at all, which meant they were selling a whole load of them. And why are they selling them? Of course, because they were defective, <laughs> because you had to replace the washer. So it's conundrum of selling a really crap product but because of that you sell a load of them but anyway there you go very good
0: and I've seen it personally recently with insurance premiums we got a quote for standard renewal that was 20% higher than last year's fees when it got another quote from someone else at almost exactly the same price a little bit more expensive even and it looks like that's just happening across the board with insurance it's uh, I think they're taking the inflation excuse and running with it as far as they can So yeah you see
1: you see the inflation number today. It's well known the inflation number is a bit of a political number. It's manipulated lower to make it look good. Uh, they, the uh, base of calculation changes as time goes past, but everyone has their own personal inflation number to spending, depending on where they spend their money. And particularly retirees get very upset about the idea that there's no inflation when they're paying more for their car, more for their food, more for their petrol, and yet inflation appears to be 2 to 3%. It's It's rubbish depending on where you spend your money. And late breaking news here. The inflation number's out. It's up 5.1% in the first quarter. That compares to forecasts of 4.6% and is up from 3.5%. So that's a very strong number. Up 2.1% on a quarterly basis. Forecasts were 1.7% after 1.3% last. And the trimmed mean or the core number up 3.7%. That's against forecasts of 3.4%. And the quarterly number's 1.4% against forecasts to 1.2% and up from 1.1% last quarter. And the Australian dollar's jumped a little bit on the back of that and there is now a 78% chance of a 40 basis point increase in rates in June. So I think the chances of rates going up next week have gone up as well. And the bond market implies a 2.3% cash rate or target cash rate by December up from the record low of 0.1 now. So that's 2.2%. So that's one, two, three, that's seven interest rate rises before the end of the year, a high inflation number.
0: And good to know that we're not making up our own inflation stories. It is a real thing. Thanks, guys. So
2: what?